Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Uh, you probably heard over the weekend there were all kinds of shoot, well, all kinds. There were two major ones. There were probably a lot more than that, but we know of two major ones. Uh, two shootings. One was in El Paso, Texas. One was in Dayton, Ohio. These shootings, these mass murders have once again uh, raised all kinds of questions about causes and blame and guns and everything else that always follows shootings like this. That said, there have also been some events that have been closer to home that raise equally troubling and related questions about how we resolve this kind of thing, if we ever can. I want to bring in Elliot Tepper, who's a uh, professor emeritus of political science at Carleton University. He joins us now. Elliot, thanks for doing this today. Uh, good afternoon, Scott. So right off the top, I, I believe that it's a cop-out to always go right to the point that the shooter must be nuts. If you pull out a gun and you mow people down, that you automatically have mental illness or insane or something. But boy, does it not seem hard as a human being to wrap your head around the fact that they're not nuts? It, it, like, it seems as though you have to be mentally unhinged to do something like this. Whether you technically are or aren't, it seems that way. Well, there's a variety of ways of coming at this. Sure, uh, we have to suggest that people who do that have something wrong with them, but there might, you know, there has to also be something wrong with the system around them, that they have access to the kinds of weapons they have, that the kinds of shootings that we see are uh, not rare and uh, unique. They, in fact, are extraordinarily uh, common. So, uh, yes, surely all of those comments that are coming out saying the only policy proposals that can possibly get passed in the U.S. have to deal with dealing with mental health. Great, go for it. But to say that that's going to fix the problem, uh, that's not the case. There is always, though, blame, as there should be. I mean, someone's got to be blamed when there's a shooting, but there's always blame, and fair to say that rarely does the blame simply land on the shooter. We, we It seems comforting to us to find something besides the fact that there was just somebody who was out of their, doing whatever they're doing. We like to find some reason that we can point to. The, we, we have to explain how something as terrible as that happens, and the explanations vary considerably depending on uh, the individual, but also often the political party or the interest group. So the explanations as to why it's happening vary considerably, but the fact that it continues to happen, that has to be dealt with. Absolutely. But for us, for the average person, it is a far easier thing to understand or to wrap our heads around or something if we can tie it to a philosophy or a political group or a movement or something as opposed to just the next door neighbor kid decided to go off. We, we like to, we like to ast- attach it to a bigger issue that we can understand a little better. Often there is a bigger issue. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> we know that, uh, and that's what's coming into focus right now in the States, that there are ideological and technological aspects to why individuals go off and do what they do. So looking for the cause is still very valid. And then you have to say, okay, what's the cure? And then that varies considerably. Now what's coming into focus in America is, oh, we have a homegrown problem of white nationalist terrorism. We should label it that, and we should then also look at, you know, is the President of the United States enabling this in some fashion? That's fair game. What 
we should also keep in mind, however, Scott, is we probably wouldn't be talking today about this if these two events had been, say, a week apart instead of back-to-back. The only reason this has come to the fore as the kind of crisis uh, that is gripping everybody now is that this happened within a few hours of each other in, in two different places, and that there was a mass uh, a mass shooting. This was not a, a simple effort of uh, somebody pulling out a gun and shooting one person. It's not a gang-related issue. It's something clearly much broader. However, uh, the facts now show that in the U.S., there's, in 2019, apparently, more than one mass shooting per day. Per day. And if we get numb to that, then nothing's going to happen. So it has come into focus primarily because of the type of weapons, the number of people killed, but also the close proximity of two events which are far too common in the U.S. I agree with every single thing you just said. The The concern that, se- that seems to arise from this, at least as I look at this, is that we want to find, as you said, we want to find a solution. We want to find solutions that are going to bring this so that, I mean, I don't know that they're ever going to go away, but so we can reduce them significantly. The problem to me, or one of the problems is that uh, rather than necessarily working to find a solution, these things often seem to be immediately politicized. And then one group gets its back up as opposed to, in, instead of wanting to help find the solution, now it's a blame of you or me or someone else. It seems we complicate it immediately by often, not always, but I mean, sometimes the politicizing is fine. It makes sense, but other times it seems like, you know, it's, it muddies the waters in a big way to try and get to the root cause of this. The reality is in the States that this is, has been politicized for a very long time. A lot of fingers are being pointed at the NRA, the National Rifle Association, who's, a majority of whose members support all kinds of common sense um, background checks and so forth. Uh, but the organization seems to have an organizational grip on particularly on the Republican Party, not exclusively, but any anybody in, in rural areas, so that, yes, it becomes politicized, but it's fair game to say, is this argument over why don't we do something about it being thwarted because there are vested interests in, the play, in play to see to it that it doesn't happen. And right now, Mitch McConnell is finally coming into focus as particularly an issue in all this, because he's the leader of the Republicans in the Senate. They have a majority there. The House passes bills, bipartisan bills, and they don't even get taken up for discussion because Mitch McConnell is protecting his uh, Republican rural um, majority. He's protecting the Senate and perhaps his own seat while he's at it. So to say it gets politicized, ultimately, Scott, there really is only one answer to all this. I mean, we can talk about various particular measures about uh, background checks, and so forth. But the only real answer is more people have to get voted into office who want to do something about it than currently the case. Too many are uh, put in office who don't want to do anything about it much. Uh, So this is a political organization uh, matter. It's a contest. And how that contest works out in 2020 will determine what happens to gun control legislation in the U.S. And, and when you say something to do something about it, you're talking about gun control legislation that would be required. I, I assume. Gun, I, yes, it is gun control legislation, but beyond that, if, if there's great concern over mental health issues, rather than those being put up as an excuse not to do something, and that is the case, unfortunately, 
But if the whole panoply of why there's so much gun violence in the U.S. compared to other countries, including ours, and that it all needs to be examined, but it's not going to get examined unless, essentially, there's a political change in the U.S. People who want something to happen in one direction will out-organize and out-vote those who want to do nothing much. I would... I like to believe that that is absolutely true, that if there could be some sort of law put in place that would restrict guns, put limits on guns, ban guns, those kind of things, that this would go away. And maybe that is true. Um, and then I, But then I looked at what happened in Toronto on the weekend. There were 12 shootings with yeah. 15 people injured. There's been 350 shootings in Toronto so far, in the Toronto area, this yeah. so far this year. We have much, much stricter gun laws than they have down in the States, and yet it still happens. So... Does a gun law really create a utopia or stop this, or does it slow it down, or what does it do? We are not going to have a single solution to a complicated problem. Clearly, in the Toronto case, this is being handled by the gangs and guns uh, unit of the police force, you know, the security forces, multiple, in the Toronto area. This is a very specific problem with a very specific focus on it. And those guns, by the way, apparently are being imported illegally mm. across the border. Of course. Um, so just some stats that have come out. I don't, statistics are very hard to do on there, but um, there's been a variety of studies of this, as you might guess, over the years, Scott. So one of them is that, take a look at socioeconomic status of countries. Countries that have roughly the same level of development, economic development, uh, have radically different responses in terms of the death rates due to guns. So that Singapore and Japan, <laughs> there's almost none whatsoever. But then you take a look at the states, and they, I've got this in front of me, uh, the country's rate, gun rate of violence should be based solely on socioeconomic status. The U.S. should be seeing 0.46 deaths per 100,000. The comparable rate in Canada where we have roughly the same socioeconomic situation, is indeed uh, about that, exactly 0.47% per 100,000. But in the U.S., it's 4.43. It's about 10 times Ten as times, high as yeah. Canada's, with this more or less the same economic background. So um, there's, it's not going to be a simple, a simple one solution will fit all, but it does have to be a situation where something has to move. So the question now to me is, will what you and I are talking about, because it's in the news, actually lead to change? And the response seems to be, well, no. Uh, Mitch McConnell is not going to budge. He's not going to call anything. He's not going to call them back into session to deal with this. And he's been blocking everything until now. Uh, he's got his own race, to, by the way, to win where he's running uh, in Kentucky, and he's going to be challenged. But the organization, and most recently this goes back to the, to the students in Florida who looks like they played a role organizationally in the 2018 midterm elections, will gun control or dealing with the gun issue sufficiently animate enough people in an organizational fashion to make a difference in who gets elected? And that's an open question. We only have about 30 seconds, and this is an unfair question to ask you with that limited amount of time left, but would significantly more punitive just gun possession 
penalties be enough? That even if you were just without shooting one, if you were caught with an illegal weapon, we are going to give you a We've significant... we got a lot of data on that one, Scott. Yep. Basically, in a nutshell, the more guns there are, the more homicides there are, not just mass shootings, but suicides and attacks on police. The more guns, the more deaths. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, and obviously it makes sense. It's, uh, I, we'll be talking about this, well, I was going to say over and over and over. Maybe not. Maybe a solution comes along, but I have a feeling... Elliot, unfortunately, we'll be talking about this over well, and over. My concern is we won't talk about it, and the problem will continue. Elliot Tepper, pro- uh, Professor Emeritus of Political Science, Carleton University, thank you so much for the time today. Sure, take care. You know, the problem is, and, and everything he just said, uh, I mean, hard to disagree with anything, but if bad guys want guns, they always seem to be able to find guns. And how you deal with that, who knows? <laughs> The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.